Glizzy Glizzy Gensler. Gensler. Glizzy I like Gensler. that. I like it. That'll be what we call him from now on. Glizzy Gensler, okay. He's very he's he takes a lot of glizzies. Finance sucks. FTX is Oh, we're going. <laughs> Take it back. Take it back. I'm sorry. We got to rewind. Go back in time. Uh, yeah, dude. I mean, like, crazy. Starting off the news today, I mean, there's a lot going on with Binance. I mean, what are we talking about here with these monopolies, man? Binance, you know, potentially turning this new FTX issue. There's a lot of FUD articles coming out from Forbes. Katie, restart the timer. We know. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome back to the Crypto Line Studio. Case. Okay, so let's bring it back. That was both limp dick. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, guys. Oh Binance. Binance. Is it the new FTX? If so, what can we do about it? I don't know, man. This FUD is wild. Forbes just released an article, obviously, stating like there was a lot of misallocation uh, with customer funds, which is a big no-no. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars in funds getting uh, just misallocated between investors with VC capitals. Uh, and then immediately afterwards, this is giving me major ICP vibes, bro. This is giving major FTX perpetuals, bro. Because what we just saw was on the February 23rd was Coinbase announced our layer two. A couple days after that, they de-announced their largest competitor, BUSD, from being able to be traded on their network. Uh, and then now all these form articles are being released. So this just goes to show with what I've been talking about here with you is just the, the, the monopoly that's taking place here. Binance did this with the FTX where the people want to say that CZ did not know the impact of what his tweet would have on FTX and causing a bank run or not. Like this is basic business 101. You talk bad on your largest competitor and you have evidence behind it. It's going to cause major like major issues in the space. Look at it like this, man. You know, we have, we have a couple players in the room. One of them bowed out. SBF is gone. There's only a few people left. It's Coinbase, Binance, and maybe a couple other small players. But uh, guys, welcome back to the Arculus Studio. My name is Blockchain Boy. You're watching The Night Show with Joshua Jake and Sam Arms from uh, the FBBA. Is your last name actually Arms? Or it, is, it is. It is Arms. Of, like, Which is crazy. No, my last name is Arms. Look at these things. I mean, I could sell this at a meat market. And if you notice, I'm by Lucas today. Uh, Josh kept making me uncomfortable, so I just wanted to sit by Lucas. I was Lucas. too big to sit by. So he, 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 he was too he, big. He made me feel small. Yeah. This is a big boy table. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so what's interesting about the, the FTX Binance stuff, if you notice, FTX was the big U.S. player. With FTX gone, so now what are we doing? We're circling the wagons around Coinbase. Coinbase is a new chosen child, right? Binance has always been the enemy, right? Binance, uh, you know, they say it's... They say CZ's Canadian, but I still am of the belief that Binance is really just an arm, or not necessarily an arm, but very closely linked with the Chinese government, right? Just like Jack Ma was, I think CZ's Binance is kind of the new Jack Ma, right, in some sense of the word. Um, so I think you're going to be seeing this kind of economic war between Coinbase and Binance, and that's going to heat up. So I don't think we should be surprised, and I think... It's very bullish for Coinbase because if Coinbase is now the new U.S. chosen favorite child, uh, good time to buy that stock, right? Maybe not right now. I don't I've know actually been thinking about that. I think I think Coinbase stock is honestly one of the most underrated things long term. I would agree with that. Uh, someone actually just came out and talked about this. I think Kathy Wood just like doubled her position in it. Uh, okay, which, well, ARK Investments. Okay. Yes, I mean, arguably, like, yeah, she was wrong. People on ARK, but I feel like... But she's really freaking smart. She's been around this space for 40, 50 years. And yes, her, you know, her innovation, what, I think she got started in, in 1980 was yeah. when she first started. Uh, and yes, the innovation stocks took a hit, but let's, let's like, just relate back to Elon Musk. People are trash on him. Oh, he's no longer the richest man in the world. Two months later, 
Tesla bottoms out and hits is now twice the price and he's back to being the world's, world's richest man. And so for her ETFs, I think I think she was a year too early, uh, which, you know, you just got to look at and, and to kind of take it to the chin what she does and she talks about. But ultimately, I think her long term perspective on the markets is 100 percent accurate. I think her portfolios are going to perform very well in the next three to four years. She does have quite a chiseled jaw. Well, and she doubled down. She doubled down on uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And what I like about her is exactly your point. Uh, she doesn't care, right? Uh, people give her hate, blah blah blah. Oh, look, your uh, look, your your ETFs, your stocks are down. Well, those people are poor, and Kathy Wood is rich, <laughs> yeah. right? So, like, who cares? Yeah. It's the same with like Elon Musk. I mean, <laughs> put it blunt. <laughs> I know, but it's like the same with Elon yeah. Musk. Like, oh man, Tesla screwed. Man, that guy who owns more than I will ever make in my life. Yeah, I knew better than he oh. did. Who's the college humor guy, Adam? Uh, Adam knows everything, dude. Adam knows every dude. Like, is that, that the actually guy? So annoying, I hate man. That guy. I like. I, I hate that dude, guy. So Why, annoying. Did he do something on Tesla? He, dude, no, he, he's like, he's like Elon Musk. Actually, isn't that smart? He just buys all of his companies and repurposes them, and that's how he makes all his money. And because that's so all simple this, and easy to I'm do like, to just repurpose like, okay, a company. Go do it. You know, know. Go, go do it with your college humor, brother. Which I didn't even know you existed until you made that statement and went viral again for the first time in six years. But hey. I know what's funny is I saw <laughs> I saw an interesting tweet because I used to be of the belief, and I'm still kind of interesting. I have an old mentor of mine who used to say, "Give me a billion dollars in subsidies, and I'll go build you an electric car." Right. So the biggest thing was Elon Musk used to always take advantage of uh, government subsidies to build Tesla. Used to. He's doing it now with SpaceX. Correct. Cor well, SpaceX, if you view government spending as a subsidy, so then our whole military industrial complex, it's not it a is. subsidy. It's just, <laughs> you know, there's a slight difference between government Oops. purchases and government <laughs> subsidies, so to speak. Um, but then Elon Musk came out on Twitter and was like, actually, here's how those subsidies worked and here's what I did. And Sure, maybe it's not 100% accurate, but I'm always like appreciative of like what he's doing. And especially now that he's the owner of Twitter, not only is he funny, uh, but just the stuff he's been saying, I'm like... Yeah. And, you know, he's now building a chat GPT competitor. Which is funny because he's the region, he's the reason chat GPT even exists, right? He was one of the co-founders of the OpenAI project, but now he's yeah, like... Yeah, which nobody talks about. Like, that's crazy. Well, because he to be guess, flying under the radar. Oh, but he, he bought it, so it's not, he's not really, he didn't actually know the technology. I know. I know. Elon Musk is so interesting, but... I just think that's cringe. You know how people do it. Like, we're not even Elon, like, mask Maxis over here. I just... I know. I think the world just idiotic in a lot of different ways and just you see a lot of people express their opinions and their opinions are just very invalid guys bringing it back to crypto binance risk security you know we are in the arculus studio guys what's that mean lucas it means that it's time for our our our, our normal little uh, shout out here to the best freaking hardware wallet on the market guys you know i, I talk about it all the time josh does too sam does too you know, I've known Sam for a long time. 2017, we've baby. Been in, we've been in the hardware game for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, innovations like this don't come around too often. Uh, you know, Arculus card, man, it's, tap it and you're done. Back in the day, we were fiddling with all kinds of bull crap. Y'all have it easy now. And, like, dude, <laughs> you kids have it so easy. Yeah, you kids have it easy. I'm 21 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, when you guys go through World War Three, Lucas is like fifty in crypto years. I know, yeah. it's crazy. Like it's crazy. Think about his hair, dude. It went gray. I know. Think about 2017. What we were having to do in 2017 just to trade, like 
Oh my god! As opposed to now, like, <laughs> yeah. you guys. Quite basically, like five hey, listings. Listen, <laughs> my hair went white to make sure yours doesn't. Go to getarculous.com. <laughs> code uh, night twenty at getarculous.com for 20, 20 bucks off. For eighty bucks, there's really no better way to secure your crypto. Shout out Arculus for sponsoring the show. And one last time, guys, that's K N I G H T twenty. You're gonna see it pop up on the screen right now. Uh, check that out, guys. Keep your assets safe uh, and keep them away from SBF. All right. Yeah, so I mean, tying that all back into our next topic, I always tend to think there's some kind of geopolitical lean to these things. So I think Coinbase will be the new chosen child of U.S. crypto exchanges. Uh, I thought they always were. I honestly feel like they were. I feel so bad for like Crypto.com. Am I the only one who never... (laughs) They're just like the ugly stepchild. Look, look, I love (laughs) Crypto.com. I think Crypto.com has a lot of potential. If they would update their goddamn app, dude, it's so hard to navigate. But the point of this is, that's aside, right? I never opened an FTX account. I was like, neither did I. I actually. always thought None that was. I thought that was like kind of a exchange. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they they they. Not gonna lie, bro. They lured in like the degenerate traders with their you know market making abilities. And but stuff. institutions were using them, and that's where the political buying came from. Yeah. Well, they always like, and they would like reach out to us, and like they would just want so much for like like just outrageous things like you like they wanted like a partnership with them which is wild and contra- you're just like what is this so we just it always just pushed us away from the exchange on top of before just getting into the space you know i actually used the ftx app tracker though uh, or that they sold the block folio i believe yeah oh, back in the day that, that was like the, yeah the back app. In the when, when the block folio first released bro i found old screenshots and i was like man those were the glory yeah, that days. was the good days man dude i haven't opened an exchange account uh, on a new exchange for Probably since 2018. What new exchanges are there? <laughs> it's like, dude, I mean, like, I don't, yeah. Well, well, I mean, like, you know, FTX, open up a new NFT or, or like, like, like I, I didn't, I did never used or got hurt by FTX, BlockFi, Celsius, Voyager. Same. All of those services. See, you know, yeah, I, I got lucky on Celsius because I abused Celsius. I made so much money off using that app and then I got out like six to eight months before any of that happened. But mine wasn't um, intelligence. I just didn't have the time. Dude, I was nah. farming like you were. There was some. It was some easy. Hey, rewards. keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. There's only a few exchanges that I really use: uh, Coinbase, Binance, but I don't keep money on there. KuCoin, <laughs> uh, and then a bunch of decentralized exchanges. Yeah. Um, it used to be Gate.io too, but they kind of got really too crappy even for me to use. Dude, Gate. Ah, that's like it's like any of them. There's like uh, Mexi, Gate.io. Uh, you have. A bit gets uh, bit. Tr- There's no so one many uses no one uses ZPay, which is the Indian exchange, right? Isn't ZPay the Indian exchange? No idea. You guys don't. Isn't it interesting that all the exchanges are U.S. and kind of China, Singapore, but what's coming out of India? Oh, uh, sorry. I'm I don't know why I thought you meant joking. Native Americans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's like, is it on reservations? <laughs> what the? <laughs> f- yeah. Uh, you know, coin. Our no, political expert over here. Yeah, I know, right? I was speaking of India, which is why we're tying into that opt. That India. Ah, uh, uh, yes, the Navajo. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is an interesting conversation, guys. I mean, there's a lot of you know things coming up, and I kind of want to bash on bricks here for a little bit because we did title this, you know, India, the new China. Now that is quite broad, uh, but I'm going to get my thoughts on this and explanations for manufacturing. Um, not necessarily their entire culture. I, if you study their demographics, po- follow people like Peter Zayon, who's like all about, you know, India's demographics. It's like the the holiness because it's a perfect, It's they still got like 50 years of good runway. Um, it's very interesting what they do with their semiconductor growth out there. Uh, the fact that they are so close, they were so close to China and Russia and they've been pro-Russia even since the, uh, uh, the Cold War. I mean, they've always really been uh, on that side of things. And the fact that now, 
they're starting to work with the Biden administration to <clears throat> build and bring manufacturing semiconductors to their their, their country is a huge step, uh, especially as Biden is pretty much bashing and, and just crushing everything that's Actually, in China. Actually, aside from being known as the country that can fit the most people on a train at once, India is also probably best known for being one of our greatest allies in that sector of the world. They are very anti-China encroach, encroachment because, you know, the way Indian that this, Ocean. the way that this whole, you know, road and belt initiative has been playing out. I mean, let's face it. Africa goes to the Chinese. Uh, damn, Africa can't catch a break, man. First, they, you know, get subjugated by the white people and then the Asians they're, step in right after. Yeah, they're very but, resilient because they produce everything. Well, what I'm saying is that, like, India does not want to subject themselves to Chinese rule. I mean, look, even in Greece, bro, like the goddamn ports are owned by the Chinese people. It's like it's ridiculous. Well, um, so one thing to understand about India from a geopolitical perspective, one, it's not really a country. It's an empire, right? India is so incredibly diverse. One of the reasons India has always lagged behind China is because India is somewhat of a democratic system. They're very slow. It's very congested. They're not organized at all. That's produced a lot of organic growth. That's why their population is now bigger than China's. You didn't have the authoritarian approach of issuing a one-child policy like China. But that's why you don't have the amazing growth that China has had in India. To both of your points, India is very good at just never picking a side, right? India played both the U.S. and America, both the U.S. and Russia in the uh, Cold War. Um, India still does deals when it needs to with China, right? When they need to, but China's One Belt, One Road initiative, their encroachment in the South China Sea is an existential threat to India, right? And China's made deals with um, uh, not just Bangladesh, but Pakistan. Pakistan and and Iran. But what's interesting is India and Iran have also made oil trades. India was rerouting Iranian and Russian oil to then sell to Europe as a way to skirt around the sanctions, right? So India is very funny because they recognize that they're in a position where everyone wants them. So they just play to everybody and they say, there's nothing you can do about it. So I am very bullish on India, but I don't know if they'll ever be the next China because they're very geographically limited and their population is just so diverse and so disorganized that they definitely have some struggles that they got to get through. Which is, yeah, that's that's where it goes into my argument is like, <clears throat> so again, I don't know if we're going to see the same type of boom that we saw from the 1990s to, you know, probably 2015 within China, just absolute yeah. explosion in growth. Uh, but what I do expect is I, I'm interested in seeing how their tech stack, sector starts taking off, especially is because a lot of, I think over 20 to 30% of our semiconductor design comes from <clears> out <throat> of India, but the manufacturing does not. So the fact that they're starting to pursue that uh, would open them up to a lot of technological advancements that could help their society. And when you look at, again, like the average age of demographic of 20 year olds or 30 year olds or 50 year olds or 60 year olds, they have like this influx of, you know, within the next 40 years, there's going to be so much capital within that country. If they do get it organized, of course, there's going to be a lot of issues and stumps that they have to still uh, approach. I think they're like the largest country with the most uh, impoverished children. Yeah, uh, like, yeah I like mean, crazy metrics. Um, also, if you just look at their cities, it's like a city and then a slum. Like, you know, it's like yeah. like night and day. And so there's a lot of things that need to go on with it. But like if you look at their point, like they're right on the Persian Gulf. So they have complete access to oil. Uh, they can work with Australia with whatever they need. They have um you know, they're very nonchalant, like you said, and that's why I think they're so resilient. But this goes into my 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 thoughts on BRICS because BRICS just went viral over the last year. I mean, everybody's already talking about BRICS and their new narratives, but you're seeing Brazil now starting to work with Argentina because they don't trust 
uh, you know, necessarily everybody else that's a part of the network. You have India that's now working, you know, to cut off one of their, which would be China, one of the BRICS nations. Uh, they're working with the U.S. because they're, they're they're not biased. They're not they're they're bipartisan, and they're going to war with China practically in like the northwestern sector or whatever that is on the uh, literally with uh, like swords. Yeah, yeah. like there's no guns over like, like the worst demographic or not the worst it's like, like geographic. Nepal, it's the Himalayas. Yeah, it's like just a, a canyon, you know. Uh, Which it's kind of funny. It's called Nepal because of how pointy the mountains are there. Really, I don't understand the joke. I'm not explaining that any further. Also, Josh, you look great in black. I just want to say that you always wear very pastel colors. This oh. is like the kind of Josh. This is like Josh, like on Demon Time right now. On Demon Time or like waiter or hostess, right Josh. Waiter hostess. Yeah, you, you know what? It's either that or he's, he's good tips, man. He's about to bring I me some more bread at the Olive Garden. You know. So, Josh, tell me about this stuff going on with Gensler. What's the news? Because I've been Gensler, hearing all through Twitter about Gensler, Gensler, dude. He Gensler. did Guzzling on. I mean, Glizzy, <laughs> Glizzy Gensler. I heard Glizzy, Glizzy, Glizzy Gensler. Gensler. I like that. I like it. That'll be what we call him from now on. Glizzy Gensler. Okay, he's very. He's he takes a lot of Glizzies. <laughs> so I've seen people say it's a good thing that Gensler essentially said everything but Bitcoin's a security and all these Bitcoin maxis were like, yes, finally, everything's trash but Bitcoin. But I was like, okay, if you think about that, one, it's very clear that even though a lot of all coins are securities, a lot of them aren't. So if they're going to say that things that clearly aren't securities are securities, that's not good for Bitcoin. Further, by separating Bitcoin from all these other altcoins, digital assets, cryptocurrencies, whatever you want to call them, it means they can take a very strategic focus on Bitcoin and figure out ways how they can wrap it around their fingers, right? So to me, it's not necessarily a good thing, and it shouldn't be viewed as some kind of victory for the Bitcoin community. It's terrible. It's terrible. Well, and, and, I'd say it's know, give and take. Up. I have, I think I have very good uh, reasoning behind this. It's terrible for two reasons. One, it's it's been proven that our regulators suck. I mean, if you just look at politicians proven. with the amount Fact of checked, it, proven. dude, you could we have I am friends with people that have created bots that track Congress trades. So it's no like you can't even if they just lie to our faces. We're like you inside trade. They're like, no, I just I luckily traded that two weeks before I was on the committee and decided to announce. It that, wasn't inside you know, anywhere. It was, yeah, it was <laughs> I was outside the whole time. and called my cousin. Okay, it was open. <laughs> yeah, no, so. You know, when I look at Gary Gensler, the dude's worth $119 million. And yes, he comes from the banking industry and stuff like that. But then not alone. I'm just like, okay, how much the, the guy met with Sam Bankman Freed 10 different times. And the fact that he couldn't tell that that was a security or not even. Dude, that's, security, not to out, that's not to pull out his game. Boba card. Enough, man. So what are the connections on that back end that we'll never find out about? Because we're never going to audit this guy. And he's never going to be investigated because he's the one that does the investigations. But to the securities point. Is like, you know, when we have a regulator that can't even catch the largest scam in the world after sitting down with a fried individual 10 different times, there is no reasoning for me to believe that he has the best of intentions when it comes to the regular you know, to the regular consumer. And so, you know, we know for a fact, not all of these are securities. Are 99% of them are? Yes. Are 99% of NFT securities? You know, if you want to argue it's a digital collectible, whatever you're going to try to focus on. But you know, there's there's a lot of good that's being done with like true utility that's based off these blockchains and ecosystems and decentralization has a long ways to go. So I don't think it's a good thing whatsoever. I do think it's a good thing that he is cracking down on staking because staking's really why? Because uh staking like Do you think it's a commodity? I don't think pool? he should well not necessarily because then it would be I under the CFTC, which is what's even weirder that the SEC of all Which they won't even they won't even be able to figure out, right? 
but <clears throat> staking on a lot of these exchanges there needs to be more regular like regulation behind what staking involves i'm not saying a complete ban around staking but the fact that a exchange can just print random money pretty much counterfeit it's it's consi- like it's practically just counterfeiting they just print out a thin air a new even if token, it's on the protocol and then have you stake to earn that token and there's no essential underlying value to that this is what how is it printing FTT. money if it's on the protocol though like if i'm staking ethereum so through coinbase custody this is what happens like uh what just happened with busd and paxos i believe was in that one but those are stable Remember? coins yeah so yeah so, so different i would different, clarify yeah. that's different so i'm not than... saying staking on like ethereum that's different but staking like on an exchange like a lot of these exchanges are just having you stake to earn their token which has no essential value okay has no value whatsoever and they don't back that value one-to-one with like u.s treasuries yeah or nothing stable crypto is backed one-to-one and so busd which gets deposited might be one-to-one backed or usdc might be one-to-one backed but as soon as that gets deposited they allow you to stake with that t- stable coin <clears throat> to earn their token which has no no essential value whatsoever this is me just being pedantic about terminology but that's why i would call that yield farming as opposed to staking because i feel like staking is a very i mean you have proof of stake right there's a specific function that staking holds whereas like earning yield and yield farming where you are literally just creating more tokens as an incentivization to create a deflationary asset so give me your token so i can hold them um, I feel like is different. So I would say I have no problem regular and the, of course the SEC is never gonna talk no about clarity this, with that. Right? right. But I would say, yeah. yeah, crack down on maybe something like yield farming or centralized yield farming. But if it's staking, it raises the issue. If it's built in the Ethereum protocol, um, you know, because then you think about like proof of work. Well, proof of work you're still creating new tokens, right? Even though it's through mining, as long as there's any kind of new token creation, if it's listed in the algorithm, in the protocol for new token creation, how do you regulate that? So right? it's, it's not, it just doesn't. Yeah, it's not a technological issue. It's a political issue. Yeah. And this is where your clarity is just going to be disrupted because, <clears throat> and I want to get Lucas's thoughts on this too, but yeah, so it's like, okay, we all know yield farming explodes 99% of the time because traditionally they're in a bad way. They're they're Ponzi schemes (laughs) 2.0. Like that's what they are. Um, You know, a lot of yield farming, there is good yield farm that's providing liquidity to the networks and there's value to that. But (laughs) again, majority of these projects aren't doing that. Well, the fact that anytime I see over 3% when it's uh, either yield farming or staking, whatever it is, anything over 3% is usually a little sus for me because after you get past like three, maybe five tops, uh, a lot of times inflation becomes an issue. Tokenomics become an issue. Uh, and the higher it is, the more risky it is, obviously, you know, but I think sustainably long-term, a lot of these are going to have to come down to reasonable rates just because there's not that many people using these networks. Yeah. And so it's just an interesting area because like we understand this and we've seen these products blow up nine, nine out of 10 times, but we also know how to make money off them. Like pancake swap. They are offered 180% APY off uh, staking through their platform. How are they doing? How's Pancake doing? Great. I mean, they're them and Uniswap have had like no issues. They're just decentralized exchanges, so to speak. I think Cake is is Cake technically centralized to an effect because of the amount of BNB that's involved with their network. Um, I mean, BNB is the base, but that's that. like that's like saying Uniswap ETH is the base. Well, it's, it's built on it. <clears throat> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Oh, but because BNB is owned by Binance, centralized like beyond centralized which is if why binance i have another goes down does bnb go down yes yes then yeah uh, and not even just be a, if binance goes down tether probably goes down although if uh, infura goes down does uniswap go down 
they're all do they're all intertwined this is so this is what i look at i look at it as a duopoly right now it's not even a monopoly uh tether and binance are kind of in bed together because all of the uh everything is just intertwined and webbed between wallet addresses and things that are borrowing and lending against each other. Uh, you can follow the wallet sizes alone. Binance alone has on average about 10% of USD supply, uh, USDT supply, uh, just within their exchanges. So there's so much just overlap between the two. It's massive. But with Coinbase, Coinbase and USDC, that is like the duopoly that's coming against it now, which is why we're seeing kind of everything break away from that. They're like, oh, we're not going to use BUSD now. BlackRock's managing the reserves. They're managing the Federal Reserve. They're, you know, they're, it's, it's like the U.S. version. Um, so, you know, back to the topic really quick, though, uh, just with Gary Gensler. Again, I think it's terrible that he is trying to claim that because broadening that statement and security that everything is Bitcoin, if he were to get away <clears> with that, <throat> which I don't think he will, would... I mean, not, it would just disrupt America would be screwed. Every technological company that is building out here would move. Um, and it would just bring more incentive for Hong Kong and China to bring, cause they're now opening up policies. They're announcing that, oh, Bitcoin's not the only one that's not a security according to us. Um, apparently their CF or their securities and futures commission by the end of this month, March 31st, uh, is going to announce their plans and rollouts for exchanges to, uh, be regulated and approach them by June 1st. And on that list is going to be the tokens that they find that aren't necessarily securities that are allowed to be traded. Um, so that's like why there's so much speculation going to Filecoin, CKB, Polkadot, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, and why people are like, oh, they're going to cause a Bitcoin bull run. You know, it, it's, we it's don't just, know it, yet. We don't know yet. <clears throat> we don't know yet. So, well, well, we'll find out in time. And hopefully in time, you guys will find out too. Let us know in the comments. What do you think is a security? Do you think we're uh, going to be able to make it out of here with good legislation? Uh, and what is it like in your country if you're not from the States? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what, what people's opinions are on this. Because again, at the end of the day, we can we can at least all have a small effect, right, Mr. Lobbyist? Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's like we don't know, you know, and that's what these, these shows are for, is for us to talk about the key issues. Uh, you know, another key issue that's taking place right now is El Salvador with their prison camps. Um, I know you wanted to approach that. So we got a couple minutes here if you want to wrap that up real quick. Yeah, just in short, what's interesting is El Salvador is trying to become the Bitcoin capital of the world, right? It's one of the only places where Bitcoin is legal tender. Nayib Bukele is the name of the guy. And he's kind of in one sense or another uh, authoritarian. He won his democratic election, although he's already now trying to say that it's constitutional for him to go over his term limits. Okay, right? Caesar. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but all that to say is here's what's interesting is Bitcoiners love this guy, but Bitcoiners are all for decentralization. So what's interesting is what this guy has done is he's kind of centralized or is centralizing power in El Salvador. El Salvador is one of the places where MS-13, that gang that you hear about all the time that's very vicious, uh, sprouted from. They're heavily influenced there, and a lot of presidents in El Salvador have to make agreements with them. That's how much power they hold. Well, Bukele recently has arrested about 100,000 people in El Salvador, which their population is about 6 million. So that's about 2% of their entire Holy population, smokes. right? And so a lot of Bitcoiners have been angry and saying, well, this isn't freedom. This isn't what we signed up for. But El Salvador's crime rate has now gone down and has been the lowest it's ever been in, I think, about 30 I to 60 years, right, since these lockdowns. Keeping in mind that these people that he's locked down, they're MS-13 people. They're very vicious people. Right. I can't believe people. that people are like surprised this is happening. I mean, look at the state of how Mexico is run by the cartel. That people are tired of it in South America. Like they live in fear, they live in oppression from these gangs. I'm I'm in support. 
wrong way. So what's interesting to think about is people like to create fantasies and stories without taking into the geopolitical realities of the situation. So I was doing some research and I was looking up how much IMF debt that El Salvador owns and what their GDP is. So El Salvador currently is indebted to the IMF only, not the World Bank, but the IMF, about $280 million, <laughs> right? $280 oh, million. Um, <laughs> Biden refused to meet with Bukele when he came to D.C., and there are multiple people now in our State Department condemning his anti-democratic actions, right? What's interesting about this is if you're a Bitcoiner and you think El Salvador is the future, how is that going to play out on the geopolitical landscape? You see things shaping up where your only hope as a Bitcoiner might be for an authoritarian figure to run his country in what may be an appropriate way to enforce Bitcoin to be a currency who may undergo a coup by the U.S. government at some point, right? So when we're talking about China and Binance and India and stuff, what's interesting about the world of digital assets is it's linked to everything. It's linked to our political world, our cheap political world. So these conversations are important. So I just think it's interesting because I don't see any Bitcoiners talking about this. Well, they don't want to talk about this. And yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting because I think the, the numbers are, I went from 18 and one, or out of out of a thousand people, like eighteen would be murdered. Uh, was like the murder rate, and yep. now it's down to one out of a thousand, um, which is crazy to even think about. I mean, any improvement is good. But I saw I saw people saying, "I don't want to move to El Salvador if they're locking people up." Oh my god! I'm like, no, are you kidding? You're, you're, you're gonna you're gonna be freaking out about the water, bro. Get out of get, get out of here with what's this. What's funny too is like the majority of people that make this as a complaint, like they've never even traveled anywhere in the world. I love when people that have never left America like talk like express their opinions about a third world country yeah, or dude, even a like, second world, and they've never been outside of the U.S. And let's be real, most Bitcoiners, okay, are finance bros in their thirties <laughs> who would literally shudder if they weren't able to have. No Starbucks. Yeah, dude. Like, and, and I don't want to have their target. And I'm have soy milk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> shudder. I'm gonna shudder. If y'all don't subscribe to the Kryptonite YouTube channel, share this video with a friend. We'll put um, you in prison. Like, 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 <laughs> like, like, so I can afford another monster to wake us up, so we don't have three-hour meetings before these shows, so I can actually be awake. Um, no, but for real, guys, we're getting on a schedule. We're getting healthy this year. He's gonna get us all ripped. It's true. Yeah. We're being beach body. Yeah, I've already been in for three months. Yeah, so let us know. know. Hey, where I'm hitting it too. What do you mean? I'm Look, working on Lucas. I got a plan. Let us know uh, who's got the best hair. I think it's very. Cool it's obviously Josh and Jake. Everybody knows us. I don't no, know, bro. I have I have really kind of cool Mediterranean, but it's black but a little curly. Is, Sometimes I have nice. a little. I put coconut oil in my hair. Oh, you? What is this? Probably just water. That's a wig. Just water? Yeah. My man, good for him. What do you use? Do water? Just water. Just water yeah, and it yeah. stays like that. Yeah. I'm proud of you guys. I know. I actually, actually, I wash my hair very little. With this, I have to do it Good. like once a this week. This is going to sound crazy, but I like barely use shampoo. Ever. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I'm anti-shampoo. Me too. Like, yeah. When I do and shampoo, I do, I do coconut oil yeah. and I'll do, um, coconut oil is my only conditioner and I'll do apple cider vinegar occasionally for like oh, a yeah. root cleanse. Yeah, I use a uh, restorative for damaged hair because of the dye. Head and but, shoulders, or uh, no? It's like a specific like. <laughs> Can't believe we're yeah. having this yeah, conversation. Yeah, this is a lot of camera. Because it it, is. like I've got a lot of comments on like my hair would last like two years. Yeah, like, no, it's bad. Don't wash like, your hair. What's Do happening? Not. It's it's because I quit shampoo, and I swear I used to have so bad dandruff. It's the soul. So yeah. bad. it dries you out. Yeah. You don't need to do it every day. And Let your body do its natural thing. Dude, the whole and, reason like, you you're working out is because of the shampoo. 
Yeah, which I use the coconut oil and then this other like natural. Uh, I use a natural native shampoo one with that's like. What's and the thing? Use they won't let like, us have the cure, so they sell it, or they sell us their cure, so we buy their medicine. Yeah, the yeah. shampoo conditioner conspiracy. Shampoo brought to you by Arculus. Guys, thank you for watching. We'll see you guys in the next Kryptonite podcast. Uh, Kryptonite out. Let's go.